You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Don't sass me, Sid Talk. <laughs> um, okay, we're here again. Oh, I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Don't sass me. <laughs> okay, we're here again. It's uh, that, that was just a private joke, which has uh, been winding up to the podcast. Now you've told the whole world. What, that you shouldn't that sass That you think me? I'm sassy. No, I'm sassy. <laughs> oh. No, that's not how it works. Maybe you don't fully understand the whole sass thing. Well, we'll go into the sass <laughs> thing later on when we do a competition, hey? Okay, it's after the show. It's a sassy competition. I'll win. It's after the show. It's Sunday, August the 4th. It's episode 29. We're almost there. The big 3-0. My age. Dum, 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 dum. As if. We're looking at the movie Dark City, the director's cut, this week. It's a 1998 movie. We're not. How do we miss this one? Uh, We're losers, man, because we love movies. I think I was asleep in 1998 most of the time. <laughs> From 1998 to 2008? 19, yeah. No, 1998 <laughs> to 1999. You were I watching the Titanic for that whole I missed year. the theatrical release. Year before that. Anyway, this, this is a Blu-ray release. It, it came out, well, it comes out on Tuesday, July the 29th, which has already happened, so... If you're listening to this podcast now, you can go out and grab yourself a copy. It's on Blu-ray. It's from our friends at New Line slash Warner Brothers. It's actually a New Line release, but Warner Brothers are involved in there somewhere because that's who I got it from. They got their finger it's up, mysterious. up in their hole, don't they? So this is Dark City, the director's cut, and uh, this is Sid Talk with the synopsis of this movie. And I was thinking when we were watching this movie, this isn't an easy one to no. quantify into a small... Oh, were you thinking of me? How nice. Yes. It is not an easy one, and that that to me... Says a lot. And I don't mean in a bad way. Some movies are hard to synopsize and you're like, it's just because I don't give a shit, right? But this one, it's hard to encapsulate because it's the whole of the movie that gives you the experience. I don't think I can boil it down to one line. But I'll start out with this. Uh, a man doesn't know who he is or understand, has no idea what his identity is. There are people after him and... People allude to the fact that he's some kind of murderer, mass murderer. And as it unravels, the whole question of the reality unravels along with it. So you're on this journey with him to figure out who he is, to figure out what's going on. And that's it, really. A journey of self-discovery. Oh, how obnoxious. But that's it. You sound like one of those. I do. I sound like one of those people who, um, um, yeah, they, 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 they talk on um, DVD extras. and um, 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 This is a mixture um, of... Uh... <laughs> But this time it's right. It is correct. It is a journey of, okay, it's just a journey of discovery of any kind of reality versus what makes us human, what makes us, what makes life real. That's it, really. And I'm sure there are fans of the movie who would completely and totally disagree with that. No, that is pretty much the... But it, there's a lot to it. It's a layered, deep yeah. movie, isn't it? You can. It's a movie you can talk about after the fact. Let's make an effort not to be those pretentious people. Well, I'm not a pretentious person, so <laughs> I'm not going to speak about it in that way. Okay, I will uh, speak about it in my way. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on from the synopsis to the story of the movie. Um, how we liked it, what we normally do. So yeah. how was it for you, the movie? I loved it. I was like... A uh, gaping jaw most yeah. of the time. Just like, I uh, just wanted to, I don't know how to even describe it. It's one of those movies that has that intangible thing that I was like, 
this. And you can't see what I'm doing. But I was like, eyes wide open, mouth gaping, my head's leaning forward. I love the story of... Yes, it's been told a bazillion times, right? Someone wakes up, doesn't know where they are, who they are, what the hell's going on, and then there's some weird either conspiracy or reality that's pounding down on them and they're going to break free from it or they're going to take ownership of whatever. You know, that's kind of what it is. But it's just told in a way that it's, I really I really enjoyed it the whole way through. Let's say the movie has a style. It's like a film noir slash... Oh, I can't even say. But it's got it's got a um, movies that came to my mind visual, you know, look and uh, feel tone. Naked Lunch was one I kept thinking of. Mm. I know it's not the same movie, but you know what what I'm saying. There was a Naked Lunch by oppressive, like you're oppressed all the time by the darkness and by the which is I like that. Yeah, Um, and Naked Lunch had the same kind of deal. There was elements of. I mean, this was a movie that I don't know if it predates Naked Lunch. There might have been around about the same time. No. But uh, it predates movies. You can see parts of this movie or inspired parts of this movie in movies of today, like The Matrix, obviously. 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 In fact, there was a scene <laughs> in this movie. It's very arguable that it's the same story. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. But, but let's like take the story out of it visually. There's a scene in this movie where he's running across the rooftops, which... If you show me a clip, if you would have shown me the clip of it on and said, name the movie, I would have said The Matrix, because the colours were the same, they just looked the same. It's like, I don't know if the Wachowskis were inspired by this, obviously. Obviously, it has to have been something I don't know that, because I've not really looked into it. But there were scenes where I was like, wow, The Matrix really has borrowed from this. The, the, a lot of the scenes in the grimy hotel corridors and stuff, the way it's lit... The actual style and the period of the uniforms of the police, and that's all in the Matrix. The yeah, but it's not just the Matrix and this. It's not like the Ma- no, no, Kowski's. No. I'm just saying. I don't know if they're Kowski's. It's a style, words, though, isn't it? It's a style, but it, really it was like, whoa, that really isn't. You know, they really did borrow from this, which is. Do they like that feeling of those? The you know that 40s kind of scene. yeah kind of forties, but. Like, like you say, when you watch Dark City, you've no idea when this is. It's kind of a... I, I, I disagree with that, because I was completely convinced it was all 40s. See, and I wasn't, because I... Obviously, it, there was a lot of 40s stuff. Clothes and things. But then there was also some weird touches there and there. Like, one of the outfits that... Uh, what's, she, what's she called? Kate Beckinsale? No. No. <laughs> Um, Kate Dark Water One of the Jennifer Connelly outfits that she was wearing It was classically 40s And then she walked past the camera And it had some odd styling on the side of it Oh Don't no, you... that's very 40s Those little that... fins Yeah, that... yeah, yeah, yeah there. See, see that, that was where I was like oh, Well, right, I don't no. really get things That was actually get... But anyway From what I could gather The people talking It wasn't supposed to be the 40s It was supposed to be Bits and pieces of everything Which makes sense because are we are we going to go about talking about this? Mm, I don't know. Because it's you a mean real we're not spoiling thing. Yeah, because it's a real like you can totally spoil it by saying one thing, can't you? Yeah. So we we shouldn't spoil that. No. Because if you well, this is a film that's ten years old. But I was going to say if you've not seen it yet, but we have. Yeah, but part yeah part of why it was so amazing to me was because I absolutely had no idea what it was. I mean, I I this is funny actually. The lady from Warner Brothers who sent me the movie. 
she is a massive fan of this movie, so she took it upon herself to communicate individually with everybody about this movie. Like, they, she wants to know, like, my opinion on this movie exactly. Right. right. So, when she sent me the email, she said, this is just one of my favourite movies ever. I want to communicate with everybody, and I just want your feedback when you've watched it. Like, forget the review. Like, you, a personal. You'll do a review, but could you just send me an email saying what you thought of it? And she's a big fan of it. And I said to her, I know all about this movie. I mean, I don't know about the story. I know Dark City. You mean before you saw it, you didn't know about it, really? I didn't know the story. I I know from the time, Dark City, I know exactly who was in it. I just never saw it. And I never saw it to this day. So I didn't know what it was about. It's pretty amazing. I'd seen a trailer where it all kind of looked dark and like Sin City or something, I thought it was. But this I'd be interested to communicate with this lady tomorrow and tell her what I thought because I think without spoiling it it's easy it's it's fair enough to talk about like the just like we have been you know it is a it's a question mark throughout the whole movie what really is going on who I mean it's yeah we let's let's also make a point of saying that we watched the it can, the blu-ray disc contains both versions of the movie the director's cut and the theatrical version we watch the director's cut. Correct. Which is even more confusing to the audience because it's not... Okay, the theatrical version, in the first two minutes, everything's spelled out to you. Yeah. In this version that we watched, everything is spelled out to you, but about three quarters of the way through the movie. Exactly. And that's why, if you're watching the theatrical one... There's nothing we can say that'll spoil it for you because they spoil it in the beginning. They That's actually what I think. tell you what's happening in the in a, in a, a monologue over. Well, what do you call it? A uh, comment? No, voiceover. <laughs> voiceover. The in fact, the moment the movie opens, there's a voiceover similar to the Blade Runner theatrical version that pretty much tells you what's going on in, in totally. Like yeah, like put you my mind. This is my mind, right? That voiceover. Put you at ease in your chair so you can sit back and wait for that story to unravel in front of you. So there's no mystery. It's no. just all visual effects and, you know, the stylized look of it and sort of like going on this, the th- following this character around. Unless Whereas just, when we watched it, we, watched we, the, yeah, we, we woke the up with the guy. Okay, yeah, so the movie opens. If you watch the director's version, you can minus that there is no voiceover. So the camera pans from the the dark, starry sky all the way down to the city into a bathroom with a man lying in a bath, waking up, not, no idea where he is. Right. That's how you that's how you experience it. But in the other version, when you see the man in the bath, by that point you've heard exactly why the man well, not exactly why the man's in the bath, but pretty much why. Yeah, the yeah. unveil that comes later in the which is the, which cut. to me is like the big oh that's a cool moment yeah so I'm glad I didn't know and and I really love going back to, you know this is a movie from 1998 which us as movie fans should have really seen yeah, and I don't never, know why we why we hadn't when you said that I didn't even know it was that old no but, but what I'm saying is I this is one of the good things about the Blu-ray format and stuff, or the DVD format is like we can go back and like a movie like this which. In ten years, hasn't been spoiled for us in any way, shape, or form. It's cool. That's very cool. And then you I said, particularly. then I said to you, "There's another thing inside me that says, I just watched this movie tonight, <laughs> and I was blown away. I thought it was really good. There was moments where I was just like, oh my god, this is, this is good.' Like, and 
I feel like I missed out on something. Oh, but like then, you're not part of the group. But then there was another thing inside me that oh, I was watching this movie fully knowing it was done in 1998, and it seemed like a movie from, like, yesterday. Yeah, I, I would have put it maybe four to five years ago, just looks-wise, right? There are a lot of... But not that old. So I, I was impressed. It, it's not a CG. But I didn't know while I was watching it, that's what year it came from. And so. it's not a CG movie. It uses a lot of practical stuff in the... True, but a lot of... You can tell there's a lot of CG. But too. still, I it doesn't look old. I mean, 10 years isn't old. Let's, let's face it. But it doesn't... To me, it didn't feel 10 well, That's kind of true, but if you were watching... Say, for example, let's go back in time, and it's 1997... Okay, and we're watching a movie from 1987. There is a big difference there. That 10 years yeah, was yeah, a there huge is. difference yeah. between the last 10 years. I'm just saying. Yeah, but this when one, you go from the 80s to mid 90s, and then all of a sudden the late 90s was like bajam. All the it all li- really took off I was from just, there. I was just kind of uh, in awe of how well it looked, how how topical it is for today even it's not a dated story oh it's an undated story for all of time because it is my philosophy of life yeah that really everything is meaningless and what is what really is what is the point of me my what what am i what am i nothing i'm just you know like a what makes me important to anybody all that kind of stuff so i love that kind of thing and the well, that sounded really sad, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and the actual going off the story for a second, the actual look of the movie, I love that look. I know I, you do. I always have done like it. You know, I'm trying to think of other movies where I'm like, oh wow, I love that. Like, you know, the very dark um, Blade well, um, Runner. You're I'll say Blade uh, Runner. Yeah, and I'm also going to say Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Yeah, it's a you know it is film noir and it's forties. But I do, I, I love the, um, in this movie especially, they do a lot of things with light and shadow, don't they? I mean, it's, it's... Well, like you said, it's a lot of just pra- real lighting. Like, yeah, really if there's a lamppost, that's the light. They don't add yeah, they don't add, the camera. There's no, um, so there can be a scene where somebody walks towards the camera and starts talking and they're silhouetted. Mm-hmm. And there's one tiny light on the wall that might light up like the bottom of the cheek. It's really subtle stuff, like and or the one scene where he's talking to her in the apartment, and there's a really bright desk lamp right behind him. Yeah, it's that, all... like it's all, you're almost like that can't be right because it's just it shines right in your eyeball. But then that's like how and it's all calculated. Obviously, it's it's very in any of these type of movies. It's very uh, the art, the art director lighting person. It's it's done for a specific mm-hmm. tone, isn't it? Like um. And that's what I really like it. I like I like the, it, you know, it goes against movies that are well lit, where everything, every scene is like pristine. He it's, even said he wanted every scene to have something unsettling about it. He and wanted it does. something that keeps you a little bit uh, uncomfortable. So how this makes it unsettling to me sometimes is somebody walk is walking up to a, towards the camera down a dark um, hallway with lights every so often. And you're not actually sure exactly who that actor is. You know what I did? I did this. You're not. You can't see me, but I would like lean, like you're actually trying to get the light out of your eye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like um, I'm actually really want to move to a position where you're not a silhouette anymore. But of course, so yeah, because he's happen. he's supposed to be a silhouette. <laughs> but but what happens is he'll walk up a corridor with very small lights every so often, and then you will get a tiny glimpse of his face, a tiny glimpse of his face, and then when he gets really close, 
the light is properly on his face. So then you can go, oh yeah, it is that guy. But I really like that. It's a, it's not a, not a new technique. No. Uh, you know, Sin City's another one, isn't it, that does a lot of the... Um, Dick Tracy, even. Have you seen the movie Dick Tracy? Yeah, it's been a long time. Even that. That's overly stylized of the same idea. Yeah. But I do like this style. I mean, if it is film noir, but I don't think it is, because if you watch no. a Humphrey Bogart film noir film, yes, it does have... It, but it's not quite as sophisticated as this. I think that's what I'm getting at. It's kind of a modern... I think it's a little too easy to say it's film noir because it's nighttime and it's dark and it's got some mystery to it. I don't know that it classifies itself as that. Other well, than he says it takes elements of that, but it doesn't make it that. No, it's not. You, Dark City's not a film noir film. You won't say, oh, it's a film noir film. But it's definitely got... And neither is Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, but there's definitely elements. There's... I, I, does film noir mean it's too dark? It's dark. I mean, I know it means black noir. I think it's a combination of elements. But what does it mean in general, film noir? I know, I know it's old, old gangster movies and old crime movies, but what exactly? I'm not a hundred... I don't know what the definition is. So, as far as we... This could be a film noir then. I mean... I don't believe it is. Is it just about lighting or no, is it about tone? Everything. Right. Well, I guess we should uh, go to film school and study that. <laughs> I'll go to up. Google. Yeah, I'll go to Google. <laughs> I think we can figure it out. But anyway, I love that style. It worked really well in this movie. It give, does give you an uneasy feel. You're kind of like, uh, okay, that's not lit very well. I don't... That, that does it. That's not lit very well. Yeah, and it makes you f- have to kind of be more on alert. Like, yeah, you're constantly stimulated it's all, by it's something. A- actually, it's like... Not having the story spell out for you in, by using the narration at the beginning. It's like that because it's, it's not all like glaringly. And, it, and if you're supposed to, in some movies, if there's a syringe on a table, for instance, and it's actually part of the story and you're supposed to know that, they will look at it for a while. And then you'll go, oh, a syringe is going to mean something. In this movie, it's all kind of like, yeah, you see it's stuff you don't like, quite understand, and then... And later, something might happen with that, but it's never, like, really clear. Yeah. So, the whole thing's, what do you call it, ambiguous. Is that ambiguous. Right? But that is the whole point, because you're going through the movie, following the character, who has no idea who he is or what's going on. That's the beauty of it, exactly. I think. Because if you explain it away in the beginning... Another movie that comes to mind, Barton Fink. Yeah. You know, when I say Naked Lunch, even though it's not necessarily... Yeah, yeah. Just uneasy movies. There's like. a lot of claustrophobia in those, where you're you're well aware that you are in confined spaces and small rooms and high... It's just... Oh, there's a very specific style there, and I it, like it. I love it. But with this movie, without talking about the last third... And it's hard to tell you how brilliant this movie is mm-hmm. without... Um... I don't, I don't want to say No, it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was really okay. sitting here like on okay. the edge of my seat like, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? <laughs> I know I can edit it out if I say something wrong, but I just don't want it. I think by saying it's a, a mind bender a little bit, you think about life and you think about, if you're like that, here's what I would say. If you like big in your face action movies that dummy down for no, your no. own benefit, this isn't your, this movie. isn't your kind of movie. If you actually like to sit back, think, but sort of, yeah, and you're just like, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, because it's a because this is it isn't actually one of. There are some movies that are kind of artsy and 
experimental and stuff where you do watch the whole thing and then go, I have no idea what that was. <laughs> like, it looked cool and everything, but what was the deal there? Style over substance. Exactly. Now this one, yes, it had all that. And you did have a feeling of like, I'm not really comprehending this completely, but that was actually intentional. But then by the end of the movie, there's nobody who can say, I didn't understand what that was about. Oh, of course it, not. Because it was a, it did work as a, it wasn't complete, you know. I, Unless you're Mr. Douchebag. <laughs> okay, yeah. And, let, and let's say, is my recommendation for the week for a movie, Naked Lunch. Right? You can come out of the Naked Lunch not. I mean, I still, it's one of those movies. I love it. I like its style. I like its content. When it's finished, I have a different meaning for it every time I watch it. It's I've so, only seen it once. Well, I've watched it several times. Uh, but it. Ne- I, I don't think I've ever got exactly what it means. But it means something different to me each time. Whereas this one, it's a bit more straight and narrow than that. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is another one. <laughs> yeah, where where you've watched it and you're like, okay, that was good. <laughs> now, I, now let me, you know, if you said to me, watch Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, then give me the synopsis. It's not easy. No, no, my God. I mean, you, you, <laughs> I it's, can't even it's about Hunter S. Thompson. He's a ju- he's a journalist. <laughs> he's slightly insane, but that's not that's that's really putting it on a small like a yeah, totally. basic level. So, but this one. While, if you're the kind of person who watches a movie and doesn't have much patience, you're not going to get through this. Yeah, but don't give up. But don't give up because there's a certain point where it all, you know, comes into focus. And don't watch. I mean, if you're like that and you're not liking the way we're describing it, then fine. Watch the theatrical version. And you'll you'll get it all up front. You'll understand and you won't. And it's also shorter by about 11 minutes. It's actually a movie I will sit down and watch again. This is a high rating for a movie for me because, you know, these throwaway movies and then these movies. And next time we sit down to watch this, I think we will watch the theatrical cut and just mm. see how, if it was worse. I mean, I can tell you. It'll it's never worse. be the same experience because now we know how everything unfolds. And that was part of what made it. I mean, that's what I love about movies. I, I think about it often. Like, what is? Why do I even care about movies? Why do I want to watch? You know, I've been making my list of movies of all I've ever seen. Right, I'm well over thousands and thousands, and I think, God, all that time I've spent sitting and watching movies. But then I realize when I watch a movie like this, and this is high praise. Are you out of that's breath? why. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't breathe there for a long time. Um, breathe, breathe. Was that uh, a movie like this gives me that two hours of like? <gasps> I don't even know. How, I still can't describe it, and it is thrilling. And you're going into the mind of another person, the person who originally wrote it, and then all the people involved, and the digging into the like philosophies of life. And I just love that. So if you if you're willing to go there, I say this is de- this isn't a flashy woohoo kind of movie. It's this it this isn't for the audience who it's thrilling to me, but maybe not to everybody. This isn't for the audience. Uh, we reviewed a movie a few weeks ago called Drillbit Taylor. It's not for that audience, right? Let's say that. Well, we didn't hate Drillbit Taylor. No, we didn't. All right, The Mummy last week. We didn't hate The Mummy. But what I'm saying is it's yeah, a different totally. kind of film. It's different. It's for a different kind of people. We're very open-minded. I believe we are because I can enjoy The Mummy and I can enjoy something like Dark City or Naked Lunch or Irreversible or... Mm. Let's recommend some movies for this week. Okay. Not well, Irreversible. While we're in it. Well, yeah. Oh, that's 
that's not something you just throw out there. That's a very touchy movie. Well, we've just mentioned it. If you're very adult and you're very capable of coping with an an exceptionally amount exceptional amount of uncomfortable violent that's, that's why I irreversible that's why I kind of bring French, it up it's French too people might not like French well that's know. why I kind of bring it up this week because Dark City while, while it's not a graphic kind of no no it still has a dark uncomfortable thing about it and so does Irreversible Irreversible is the opposite it is a is an in your face reality that is anyway, ultra- irre- uncomfortable Irreversible I recommend <laughs> it's Vincent Cassiel Monica Bellucci it's French it's really good but it's not straightforward and it's if you have children under the age of 30 make sure they're like 10 yeah, miles away from the like house it's unacceptable like, for anyone of any low maturity level of any kind well and any yeah and NC17 doesn't even oh no it's about five times whatever unrated and some more you know, it's yes, not, yes. It's, it's one of the <laughs> most, and then people are going, oh, I've got to see that. It's one of the most graphic <laughs> kind of things. It is not a see. pleasure. It is not enjoyable. Uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. And at the same time, because my, my love of movies is this thing that if something stimulates me, even in a bad way, for a couple of hours, and I come out of it like almost like, oh my God, that was like. I, I love it. I love and it. And some people out there who I know, for instance, who would say, oh, well, I don't want to watch a movie that's a gore fest or whatever. <laughs> Irreversible is not actually a gore fest, but it's not that kind of uncomfortable. Yes, there is a gory scene, but the most uncomfortable scene in the movie for me is not gory whatsoever. So, it's violent. And it's not a horror movie, by the mm-hmm. way. It's a, uh, why would you put it? Like a day in the life of some people. Yeah. Not horror, though, at all. Not no monsters, no nothing like that. You just if you're gonna if you're gonna go for it, just trust us on this. You need to be a grown up. You need to be adult. And I wouldn't watch it with a group of people. Yeah. Well, it's not a date movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the anti date movie. Yeah. If you you know want to if you want to take your take a new lady you've met to watch Irreversible, uh, you won't be meeting her. You again. won't be seeing her again no. unless it's like Punch Drunk Love where they just. <gasps> Those I want to eat people. your face. Yeah, and she loves it. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves it. Yes, exactly. I love that scene. I don't know what my movie recommendation is. Maybe by the end of this. Well, my, my movie recommendation wasn't irreversible to start with. But Naked I lunch. will recommend that. It was actually Naked Lunch as well. Which are both disturbing movies in their own right. Um, we'll get one from you later. So, you know, overall for me, um, before we get onto the cast, story and all that stuff wrapped up. Dark City... The story's really good. Um, I was mesmerized by it the entire way. Mesmerized, and, it, and it was word. to do with the style of the movie and what was going on, and kind of like at one point I was mesmerized by the style, and then at another point something happened, and I was like, "Okay, I forgot all about the style of it. It was more about the story." So you totally get immersed in the world, and that's hard. That's a hard job for some movies that are very fantastical or have a lot of sci-fi slash fantasy elements but I was totally into that world like 100% so that is that's yeah me too lot. me too like um, and I you know I can't believe I didn't see it in all these all these years it's it, and I've heard so many people say have you seen Dark City it's really good have you seen Dark City it's really good I know I don't really pay attention to what people say a lot mm. but yes you do it's like losing your virginity no what I'm saying is <laughs> no I don't really pay attention to what people I don't 
like people tell me Harold and Kumar is really good all the time and I don't, yeah. I don't want to watch it you know what I'm saying but people have told me throughout the last 10 years how good this is multiple people have said if you you know when you say I'm into movies they say have you seen this have you seen this and Dark City's in there and I'm always like something must be about Dark City but we never got to see it till today it's weird we saw it in 2008 10 years I think that's reasonable it's a good anniversary so moving on to people who are in it Rufus Sewell as John Murdoch loved him yeah so did I he's the son of Swearingen I'm telling you yeah we said I said to you that during the movie um if you're a Deadwood fan or a Lovejoy fan and you like Ian McShane, this guy is son of Ian McShane. Oh my god, so he's not, but he totally is. He totally uh, he, he's from Maybe uh, Ian McShane went through some kind of time lapse thing that <laughs> really is like oh, so he's so much like maybe t- he's the illegitimate son of Ian McShane. Let me say what this guy's been in. He's been in quite a few things actually, a lot of UK stuff. Uh he was in the movie I don't know if you've seen any of these movies. He was in the HBO miniseries just recently, John Adams, about the postal oh, right. guy. He was in Amazing Grace, the movie. Have you seen that one? Possibly. Uh, he was also in Helen of Troy, a TV series. A lot of TV stuff. A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger. I haven't seen that one. Uh, Dark City. Dangerous Beauty. Dangerous Beauty. The, the reason he was talking about it, they both came out like days yeah. around each other. Uh, the Woodlanders... Anyway, he's a Brit. A lot of this stuff I had not actually seen, but... I just thought of my recommendation. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you you said The Woodlands, and I realized I was going through my list of movies. The Woodsman with Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that was Bakeman. good. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Good one. That's really good. Yeah, I like Another uncomfortable, uh-huh. you're not sure, 100%. I saw that. That's we, really we that. good. The Woodsman. Yeah. That's my recommendation. It's a good one. Very good. Kevin Bacon, The Woodsman. Um... <laughs> So, moving on to William Hurt as Inspector Frank Bumstead. Another really good performance. I'm not a mega William Hurt fan, usually, but I think he really fit well in this one. I think he's one of those people, again, that I can say, hmm, he's William Hurt. Because yeah. I can think all the way back he to does the his chill. Thing. He has this very, very cynical attitude every mm. single time. Yeah. That but it's you, not bad. You feel like he's just, t- like, he elevates himself above everybody else. And I, I like him. I love watching him. I love his... Yeah, so that was really good. His character was really so, did a good. So we also say this movie actually has a really good cast. I mean, it's not mm. it's not not an independent movie by any means with like random people in mm. it. It's a pretty good cast. Uh, next person, Kiefer Sutherland as Doctor Daniel P. Schreiber. You don't like him? No, I really liked him in it. Did you? I thought it was absolutely awful. No, I that way I, he was talking all the time. I, whenever he was trying to explain something, even when he wasn't think, out of breath, I hated it. I it made that, me want him off the screen. I wanted him to be a bit weird. <laughs> that wasn't weird though. That's just he's bad just, acting. No, he's weird in the Lost Boys, right? Um, Appropriately, yeah. And this, he seemed like he was channeling some of that Lost Boys guy. But not quite so cool. Like, <laughs> a bit nerdy. <laughs> a nerdy version of Lost With Boys. a limp and like a... Uh, and a weird but he eye. Just kept talking like, well, you you figure like out why he has a weird eye. I liked him. I didn't. Uh, I, I thought he was the worst part of the whole movie. Oh, no, there you go. I uh, didn't have a problem. Moving on to Jennifer Connelly as Emma Murdoch. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I think this was my favorite thing I've ever seen her in. Yeah? Did you think that was her singing? I think so. Do you really? Yep. Because it wasn't great. But it wasn't bad. It was quite... I, I, I loved watching her sing. It was very... I don't not know. just watching her sing. I actually liked what was coming out of her mouth, though, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was like, wow, this is really nice. I like it. I think it was her. Hmm. 
No, I liked her. I liked her a lot, and I think she did a perfect job because her character, as we've said, part of the story is questioning reality and what is reality and am I really who I think I am. Not only her character sort of in a weird position, and as it goes through, I thought she did a fantastic job of seeming like the kind of person who didn't really want to know what the truth is, and yet... She was so sad, like, all the time. And when she's singing, she's just kind of, like, beaten down. And, you know, I thought she just did a good job. She was, uh... I also and I'm not a big fan of hers, trust me. I mean, Dark Water, she was alright, but... What about I, the Hulk? Come on. Oh, dear. Okay. You mean so, the first the Hulk movie? Yeah, you know, the Hulk. Ang Lee's the Hulk. What's this one called? The Hulk. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Moving on to Richard O'Brien as Mr. Hand. Now, I love Richard O'Brien. The Hand. Yeah, talk to the Hand. <laughs> um, what do you think of Richard O'Brien? Rocky Horror Show, the creator of the Rocky Horror Show. I've never seen that. I am not kidding you. Well, you I've don't never... really like musicals, do you? Well, that's not the point, is it? I mean, it's like you should one of those see it. iconic. You should see it. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be people going, like, crashing their cars while they're driving right now. Like, what? She hasn't seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? But no. I, I actually have not only have seen Rocky Horror Picture Show, I've seen it on stage. At least twice. Not with Richard O'Brien. No. Which I is thought it was good. He's creepy. His character is meant to be... Perfect. Sort of a... Un... He's right for that yes. character. He's totally Bald right. Bald and pale. And really thin and odd. Gives you the creeps. Yeah, I really liked him in it. I, I thought he had a presence, like, and it was eerily scary when he was around. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea what he's and about he to do. And he felt threatening. You know, yeah. sometimes in these movies you don't get the threat of that element. And yet I felt he particularly was the most threatening of his kind. And then, the last person I wanted to mention. I mean, there's plenty of people in this movie. Yeah, but we all, we we can't talk about every single person. Was Melissa George, who played the prostitute call girl. Aw, she's cute. She's She's gone May in the movie, I guess. Uh, I wanted to know what else she'd been in, because she seemed really familiar. She was one of the girls out of the US version of Coupling. Don't think I ever saw that. She was from Mulholland Drive, which was a good movie. Yes. As Camilla Rhodes. She was from Sugar and Spice, which was the one where the cheerleaders robbed the bank, Yeah, I it? think so. It was really bad. I haven't seen that one. I have. It was one of your HBO specials that you watched. But yeah, she and recently, very recently, she was in 30 Days of Night and Touristas as Prue. Oh. One of the chicks. Yeah, I think Maybe, I know who she yeah. was in Touristas now, the hot one who's always in the bikini. But anyway, she, in this movie, she was she really... She was really good. Very good. And like a classy the, prostitute. Yeah, like the kind of character that could have just been easily forgettable. But I think her the way that she did every bit of it was really good so i like the women in this movie that's rare yeah yeah i, I thought it was i thought the cast was just right i mean i know there was a mention in the extras that they were gonna have johnny depp to do the main role and i'm glad they didn't i'm oh, really no. glad because i don't know who this guy is rufus sewell i didn't i mean i do his face seemed familiar but it was better for me it was totally you know i i'm glad it wasn't him uh, and then they mentioned tom cruise which is like no. they could have replaced keith or sutherland with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, anybody, anybody. Okay, so moving on to the director, Alex Pro... Pro... I want to say this Proyas. Right. Proyas. He's an Australian. What else has he done? Well, interestingly enough, he has done uh, The Crow. 
You've seen the crow, right? I thought when he was Lee. talking, he just saw the crow. No, he directed the crow. The new one. No, the one with Brandon Lee from back in the day. Because uh, when he was talking, he goes, when I saw the crow, it just gave me those elements. And I, thought, I think I he didn't... was like when he was given the crow to do or whatever. Oh, maybe. right. But anyway, he directed the crow in 1994, which was four years before Dark City. He also directed iRobot. Really? Yes. And interesting for me now is, remember when I said I love the Silver Surfer? Yeah, they made the X-Men movie with the Silver Surfer in it, which just wasn't right for me. I want the Silver Surfer, not the X-Men. The Silver Surfer movie in 2009. Ooh, you were leading up to something good there. It's actually just me. called Silver Surfer. <laughs> Forget the X-Men. Brilliant. Because he's nothing to do with the X-Men. He's a superhero. They all live in the same world. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, I'd be interested in, especially this guy's visual style. You know, he's got definitely got an eye for making things interesting. So I would like to see a Silver Surfer movie. You know, the weird thing I thought... When I was watching this movie, right, thinking about it, and then when he was talking, and the way that he sort of seems, you know, I would like to see he, him, and the guy who made Dark Knight, I mean, um, Day Watch and Night Watch, get those two guys together. Yeah, That'd be Tim, interesting. What was he called? Timo, Timo Buckingham. The Russian guy? Yeah. I don't know, but I just had a weird feeling those two guys would hit it off. <laughs> I think I should do some matchmaking in the movie making world. For sure. Like, no, I liked it. I liked the way he thinks. I liked the way he went balls out to try to get it as big as he could on his budget and didn't compromise. Probably did, but it didn't seem like... I like. And he wrote it as well, remember? Wrote the story and handed it off to screenwriters. Yes, he did. So moving on to... We look to the Blu-ray disc. Ooh. It's um, got a really nice cover, I believe. Yes, very throwback to Metropolis. A yes. little bit. I mean, you know, the the idea of it. But nice, you know, we t- talk about DVD covers in our reviews and how Negatively. uninspired a lot of them are. I like that one. This one's actually pretty good, yeah. Um, so, special features. Let's move on to special features. All this right. Blu-ray disc is um, a, it's, it's a two-disc set. One disc, we'll mention this before we go on to special features, is a, what do you call it, a digital copy of the movie, right? And we talked about this when we reviewed Hitman about ten shows ago. And I was kind of saying, I think this is a bad move. It just makes the DVD higher price. And it's so restricted, the actual copy. Who really cares, you know? Now, that was a DVD. Now, moving on to Blu-ray disc. Obviously, the Blu-ray disc doesn't generally play in your portable device. It will play in your Blu-ray player. So having a DVD version of the movie that you can put onto your laptop or your iPod. iPod I think it's a good idea. Can you put it on your Zoom? You can't put it on your Zoom, unfortunately. Ugh. You can put it on your um, iPod or your laptop, which is cool because I could put it on my EPC. Can't go on my Zoom. I don't care. No, I know you don't, but <laughs> you know. Yeah, no. it's, they don't really care what I think. So it doesn't actually elevate the price of the Blu-ray disc either. So it's just there, you know. And and if you get the DVD version. You don't get an extra disc with a digital copy. You get a code and you download the digital copy from the web. So. You you get it on both, but so I agree with you with the that it's a good idea. I think for it's a actually more valid for a Blu-ray release because once you buy a Blu-ray disc, you get the best version of the movie you can possibly get, quality-wise, sound and picture. But it can really only be watched in your, in our case, a PlayStation Three, right. right, in the home theater. That's where we watch it. 
But if you've got another copy of it, then yeah, you can and put if it you've on your watched laptop. it and you really like it and you do want to like put it like you said on your laptop or yeah, you might want to put take the, it with you to watch or show somebody else and say like, have you seen this? You know nice what I mean? to have it just loaded yeah. onto your laptop. So that's a good or onto your home theater PC even. It's a good way of uh, having another copy of your movie. True. So I I'm not as opposed to it. And you've this, been in this swung case. around. Yeah. So. Moving on to what is on the movie. So you get the director's cut and the original theatrical cut of the movie. So you get two versions of the movie in the uh, box. You get a a few documentaries. The first documentary is the introduction by the director. He basically, you know, it's actually not just the director. Roger Ebert also talks. And it's about five, ten minutes long. And they just get you ready for the movie kind of thing. They don't really spoil anything in the movie. So it's actually a good one to watch before you go into the movie. You know, I, th- I don't think... It's not like... there was Indiana Jones is a famous yeah. example. There's introductions by George Lucas and Steven Spielberg on the Indiana Jones DVDs. But if you watch them and you haven't seen the movies, not that anybody's... You know, but there are still people. Yeah. They basically ruin the movies for you before you watch them. This one, no. It's just a bit of insight into what he was thinking, putting the director's I still wouldn't together. want to watch it until after. No, but it's there. And it's... It's a pretty cool documentary. It's not, well, it's not a documentary, it's a little shot. This is a documentary, Memories of Shell Beach. This is the making of. Now, more of a retrospective, right? It's They've got the people together now, like 10 years later, and everybody who's involved, and they're just making comments on the whole process we of making We any producers. Them. We had the writer, screenwriter... Um, Actors. Cinematographer... Actor. There was no Jennifer Connelly or no. William it's not Hurt. everybody. It's uh. It's the main, spe- main players. Spectre. Why do I call him that? <laughs> the bald guy. Richard O'Brien. Yeah, and the main guy. Yeah, and it's an interesting retrospective because they go into all kinds of random behind-the-scenes stuff. You can't. They kind of touch on Hollywood politicking, and it's, it's really it's good. All the documentaries we're really going to talk about are really good. And then the third documentary, which is The Architecture of Dreams. Now, I wasn't actually 100% on this one. This one is where they philosophize, uh, philosophize? philosophize and five different people... Oh, is that the one? ...give you their... Interpretation. Yeah, and it's a bit... It's pretentious, and it's a bit film schooly looking at the way film school people look at things. Although I like the writer guy. The and Dem, Roger Ebert. Because he was... Lumi or Loom Demi or Lem Doom or whatever his name was. <laughs> I don't know. I liked him. And he even said all the pretentious things I've read. And so he yeah. acknowledges that he's kind of regurgitating this compilation of all these older, whatever, philosophy ideas and stuff all cramped. So I, I got a little bit And I liked Roger saying. Ebert's because it wasn't necessarily about it was about an artist that Roger Ebert particularly likes who paints pictures and, and designs uh, architect. architecture. How Roger Ebert kind of took what this guy had done and kind of sees it in Dark City. And then he even says at the end, I don't really care if Alex Proyas mm-hmm. had even knows who this guy is or anything. I, I still, it's something I take away from the movie. He just loves movies, doesn't he? I really hope that he, after all these years he still really loves movies. Because, I, and this does. is post-stroke. This is Rebert now, I'm assuming in the last couple of years, probably since he I think sick. it's before. Like, it's, or it's like I watch Ebert I watch Ebert and Rubber every week. I still do. It And he's not been on it for a year and a half. 
it was. It seems to me around just before. Oh, was it before? That was yeah. After. He doesn't look like that anymore. He looks oh. a bit. He's a bit more. Because he didn't seem well in this. One hundred percent. No, but he wasn't. He was just hanging in there, wasn't he? Like he, he had problems. Oh. But now he's recuperating. He's writing a lot now, but he Good. doesn't appear on on the uh, show. Um, but I really like it, Rodri. But I like, I like how he sees good in things, unlike the other Roper. Yeah. I don't like him. He's snooty. He, he. It's the same as Cisco, though. Cisco was the same. He was the guy who was like, "Come on, give us a yeah. break." And Eber would always go, so I, "Well, no, you got to appreciate sees the director." The good. Yeah, yeah. Eber will see something terrible, but say, kind of like how I feel. Yeah, this movie was terrible, but the performance by that guy was really good. I like that part. So I, I try and find something in the movie. I'm not going <laughs> to completely dog it unless it's say it isn't so. Or 10,000 BC. <laughs> well, say it isn't so. I really like Heather Graham. So You don't like her in that, though. Come on. I don't like her in that, but I like looking at her don't and watching Don't give it. that so, movie. What I'm saying is I can put something good into If you're going to watch Say It Isn't So, watch it with, muted. How's that? Okay, so moving on, there's a production gallery, which is um, photographs. Isn't that the guy, though? The actor guy's pictures? Yes. Because that is. was fine. Because he was talking about... I'm saying it was good. The main guy who plays the lead character... Actually, had his own camera on the set. Like, it looked like a little camera, but it's also, he took photos the whole time. So there are a lot of good pictures on there, and he's talking about them as well. And with so some music, with music gallery. over the top. Yeah. Too. And then there's uh, some text essays, which I completely missed because I didn't. There wasn't. Oh. The, they weren't in the list as far as I could see. We went through the whole list. Yeah. Like, but there are some. Then there's, and that's going to be more of the philosophizing. See, I'm actually, I'm actually, we we totally went through this DVD. I mean, we didn't miss anything we sat and looked at all the menus now on the back of the cover here it says this text essays and Neil Gaiman's review of Dark City I didn't see that either mm-hmm. I seriously wasn't on the list because we went down the list the director's cut fact track which we which is on the, is on we did see that one the theatrical trailer which I didn't actually see theatrical trailer we must have missed a menu you must I, have no I totally didn't see these things but they, if they says they're there they're are they there. on disc 2 maybe no because that is just a DVD only for your PC, it says. Um, but yes, possibly. If they're, if they're just text, yes, they, may, they might be on that. I'll throw it in my PC later. Um, multiple audio commentary tracks, which is nice. There's the first one with the director, Alex Price, which we listened to a little bit of. He's very informative, I think. He's really into filmmaking, you can tell. And he was really behind this movie. And he's Australian, though. which is nice to listen to. Yeah, and he was behind this movie even though the studios kind of wanted to push it other ways. He was really focused to making it how he wanted it. Then there is the commentary by the writers, Lem Dobbs and David S. Goyer. That was it, Lem Dobbs. And the director of photography. And then there's the film critic Roger Ebert one, which is really good. Yeah, really I mean, good. I've not heard Roger Ebert do a film <laughs> I song. bet you'll sit down there sometime and watch it all the way through. I'm again. sorry, I'm not even... Uh, he must really love this movie because I can't I can't recall them. Maybe he's done tons of them, but I can't recall any that I've ever seen by him before. I actually had an idea the other day on the on the um, topic of film commentaries that we should pick a movie that we really both love, put it on, and record the film commentary with me and you, like an after oh. the show commentary. And then when people take the podcast, they we sync it up at the beginning to the mo- we say one two three, and then they play the DVD, and then we talk about scene by scene. It's very self-absorbed, but I like it. 
I, I just think it'd be a fun like after the show special, maybe. <laughs> to presume that people would want to us talk. Wouldn't it be fun? It would be very if fun. If you're a fan of after the show and listening to us to talk about movies, wouldn't it be fun to go along a whole movie with us? I think so. That'd be fun to do. I just thought it'd be a fun, uh, you know. Com- I agree. On a, on a particular, you know, something that means a lot to us. Then we can, then when you're watching it, because you don't think, and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, this, this, you. Even though we despise it when people talk during movies. It would have to be something that we've watched a thousand times. I am times. a fan of commentaries on, and you don't have to listen to us. True. What I'm saying is if you want to, a special edition of After the Show, maybe our 50th edition. Oh, could be a, let's start planning it now. Could be. So maybe you can, you as listeners, can email in suggestions of movies we could do a commentary for. Interesting. And if nobody really cares, we will just do one <laughs> that we uh, love, like Wizard of Oz or something. You don't love that. But not Pulp Fiction. I don't. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to stick at this um, place. Oh, my God. I watched Pulp Fiction last night. You did? On, this is the bad part. You know, I love Pulp How many times have I seen Pulp Fiction? Hundreds of times. I've never seen this version of Pulp Fiction. It was the version on Spike TV last oh, night. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. It was like... You don't know it as well as I do. No. I know the entire... I can tell you what, what they're going to say and exactly what the next scene is. There was parts of this version of Pulp Fiction. All right, let's say, first off, there was no swearing at all. So everybody was re-recorded, it seemed. But the guy who did Bruce Willis wasn't Bruce Willis it was somebody being Bruce Willis <laughs> but Samuel L. Jackson was Samuel L. Jackson Quentin Tarantino it sounded like an Australian guy <laughs> so it was Quentin Tarantino Australian guy Quentin Tarantino Australian guy so that, that was weird to start with but then you know the scene in the back of the car with yeah. Jules and right and then the, he turns around with the gun and there's the guy in the back of the car and he asks him his opinion and then he accidentally blows his head off well may, maybe not accidentally anyway that scene so he turns around, he says something which doesn't involve any swearing, so, and the whole question has a lot of swearing in it. So it's odd. And then you see the back window with some blood on it. Now, what happens next in the real version of the film, as you, you probably don't know, is they carry on driving and they have a bit of an argument with each other. Why did you blow his head? Yeah, I blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, there's none of that. The, the window covers in red, cut... You're in Quentin Tarantino character's house. They're both stood there with blood on them. And he's saying... And this is another interesting thing about censorship I kind of got from last night. So Quentin Tarantino stood there saying, I don't know what you two guys want. You're covered in blood. Um, My wife's going to be home soon. If she comes home and she sees you two, there's going to be a... You know. And... Every single swear word was cut out apart from the N-word, which Quentin Tarantino says about 10 times during that scene, or 20 times. Really? Because he says, what, I'm not going to say the N-word. Good. But he says, what do you think this place is? Dead N-word storage. That's his kind of, he says that. This isn't that. He's a despicable man, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and they kind of, you know, they all joke it up between them. Well, he, it cuts from that to that, and then... There's a whole scene in the house, blah, blah, blah. They phone for Harvey Keitel's character, Mr. Wolf, to come and clean up. Well, the next... Quentin Tarantino talks a little bit. And then the next thing, the camera looks this way. And Harvey Keitel's already in the room. There's no scene where they call for him. the door and stuff when he shows up at the door? No scene where they call... There's a scene where he's in a party. 
and the phone rings and he's like hello and they're like blah 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 and then he gets in his Ferrari and then at the bottom of the screen it says two minutes later because they say on the phone how long will it take me to get there he says eight minutes and then it says two minutes later and he's there's none of that arriving part he's just in the room all of a sudden ah. it's like uh, okay and then the next thing he's washing them all down in the back garden so they missed the whole part of them cleaning the car up but well. they can say the n-word yeah he says the what n-word fine shit. yeah so I was just saying that Spike TV isn't the way to watch Pulp Fiction and if you were one of the people last night who was catching Pulp Fiction for the first time on Spike TV <laughs> and you thought what was the fuss about well the fuss is about that wasn't even the movie it was like half of the movie if that so, Spike TV has no balls. No, First not of all, at all. If they're not going to just run it as it is, and then if they're going to pick and choose what is acceptable and not. It's really odd because it was the worst. Because I know the movie so well, and I'm sure lots of movies get this treatment, but this one in particular sticks with me. It was so hacked, the story stopped flowing at some. Like, I could fill in the blanks, but some guy who tuned in last night. First time ever. Plus, that means that like any kid could have been watching that and just just you know, thought Quentin Tarantino said the N word a lot because that's the only thing that's that you awful. could. Really... I mean, it's appropriate in that scene that Quentin Tarantino says the N word because he's talking to Jules, and Jules calls him that. It's just a vibe of them. Yeah, but if they're going to blank out the F word, yeah, exactly. and they're going to blank out somebody getting his head blown off, then blank out that too. Don't pick and choose. And I'm sure there are no titties. In the whole movie? Or there's anything. no anything. There's the, there's the scene where... There's also another scene. I mean, we're far off topic here, but I definitely <laughs> wanted to mention this. There's I the, love that you love that movie so much. There's the scene where the Royal and Cheese, where where they go into the room and he says, can I have a taste of your burger and can I wash it down with your delicious beverage? That scene. And then they kill the guy and then a guy comes running out of the toilet and shoots at them. Do you remember? And it totally misses them, all the bullets. Yeah. And then they turn to the guy and they blow him away like... And it's really extended. They go, poof, 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 and they shoot like bullets and bullets and bullets into him. Well, he comes running out. He shoots. You see them in the wall, the bullets, and then you just see a flash of, with them holding the guns up on one flash. And he's dead. And then it's cuts to another scene. It's like, what do you think if Quentin Tarantino was watching that movie? He must think like <laughs> either either because you know how Quentin is. Either oh wow, this is, this is really cool because it's just such a bastardization. It's so in my bad. Movie, it's like, good. You know? But anyway, um, Spike TV isn't the way to experience Pulp Fiction. Oh, if you've seen Pulp Fiction a million times, yeah, it's kind of funny to watch it that way. Because you... <laughs> it's, a, it's a shadow of its former self. Bastardization is a good word. Yeah. A shadow of its former self. <laughs> so, moving back onto... That was so far away. Dark City's <laughs> um, features. We've got the multiple commentary tracks, which we mentioned. And that was it. We actually had finished the, the features. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, me, personally, for Dark City, it's 100% buy. It's about $20. nineteen ninety nine. you can pick it up for. You're kidding me. Yeah. For Blu-ray? Yeah. See? Why? Uh, that's fine. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's got oh, if you read my reviews on com, you will find that I bitch and moan every single week about the price of DVDs. So that, I, I can handle that. Yeah, and it comes with a digital copy, which I said I, I was against, but now it didn't add any more to the, val- to the cost, and it's in there. So... And it, the movie is so... You own the movie. You can watch it twice, the director's cut and the theatrical cut. You can watch it three more times with the different commentaries. It's just, you know... I'm a film lover. That's a film for film lovers. I agree. Uh, it might not be a film for your casual uh, movie goer. <laughs> so, yeah. Bye. And Blu-ray look good too, by the way. It's a very dark film. It handles it well. Yeah. I mean... 
a dark film on DVD is full of blotchy. It's not ever crispy clear, or it's it's not got clean edges. But that's part of the as we said noir look at too. It's a little bit but it look, blurred it, it and a little preserves. Bit. I, I like to say this: when you watch a movie in the theater, now we've watched modern, brand new, two thousand and eight Indiana Jones movie in the theater. It didn't look good, did it? <laughs> no. This looks like. A brand new movie, yeah, like without old right off without the... it going into the theater yeah, and totally being agree. ruined. Like it, it's, you definitely don't get no cigarette burning things and lines on the screen. It's just the image as it is supposed to be. So it's nice, um, and for a movie that's ten years old, it looks probably looks its best ever. Yeah, I would say. So let's move on to our oh, thanks to New Line and Warner Brothers, who don't have the name on the box, hmm. and I got it from Warner Brothers, my lady at Warner Brothers. So I do not know how that ties in, but if they're involved, thank you to both of them. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the contest. So we got to thank our friends at Fox for this contest. And the contest is for a copy, two copies, of My Sassy Girl on DVD. Now, this is a movie starring, I can never say it, Elijah Cuthbert. She's the girl next from The Girl Next Door, the blonde girl. Oh, right. Um, and as far as I can tell, I was just looking it up earlier. Is it's a straight-to-video movie. Like, you know, some don't get theatrical. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's bad. Let's... It doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> no. It's a 2008 movie. <clears throat> I just want to explain it a little bit, because sometimes we just yeah. say what the contest is, and people are like, my sassy girl, why, why do I want that? I don't even know what it is. Because it's um, free. Yeah. <laughs> I can give you just a quick synopsis. A sweet Midwestern guy... With his life planned out for himself, is wooed, groomed by a complicated, elusive girl, Alicia Cuthbert. Are you sure this isn't Along Came Polly? <laughs> no. And it's a comedy slash drama. So, and it's, you know, we've got two copies. Uh, and you're going to come up with a, a question, which we already came up with, and hence the intro to this show this week, when we uh, said... Yes, the sassiness. Yeah, so... Keeping in the spirit of the kinds of questions that I have and will... Which have nothing up, to do with the movie. have nothing to do with the movie itself, but have just whatever you show me or say to me, it, the first thing I think of is how I'm going to come up with a question. And the question for this one will be, who is... Let me think of what he's called. I don't even know. Oh, he's an accountant, isn't he? Um, who is the sassy black male accountant, sassy being the key word, in the American version of The Office? Don't sass me. Don't sass me. Blank. What's his name? <laughs> because the horrible boss guy says, don't sass me. Blank. Michael. Michael is the boss, yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and the only reason I had this first thing that popped in my mind was that exact scene, and I thought it was hysterical because I think the word sass is like my grandma kind of word. No, or my is. mom. My mom says, Cindy Lee, don't sass me. You know, so it's, I very, it's an old fashioned <laughs> word for sure. So, um, how do they enter this lovely sassy contest? Uh, they have to drive 1,500 miles. No, no. They just have to uh, go on the internet, and on their computer, and uh, send you an email, which is at ascully at ascully.com. And the subject line is, don't sass me. Oh, okay. Don't sass me, in the subject line. And send that email to ascully at ascully.com. That's it. That is, and you can win one of two copies. And uh, thanks to our friends at Fox for... Setting that one up. Okay, we're moving on to video games quickly because we're running yeah, out. We're running out of time. Video games. Buzz Master Quiz on the PSP. 
Last week we mentioned it a little bit. You've played it this week. What do you think? It's good. I you mean, don't I, like the PSP, you said. Totally. I don't like the PSP, no. It's too bulky and chunky, and I can't get my finger thumb I've right. got to admit, like that a, screen's a nice screen after screen's using the nice, DS. but I don't know. I still think it... I just would like it to be a little more streamlined. Um, I really like it. I don't know a lot of the questions, but I think... And I have had repeated questions. You said you didn't, but I have every time I go on there, so... I have two now, but I've played it... Oh, I've played it enough. <laughs> I'm 44%. I'm 78% or something. But uh, it's fun, and it's quite challenging to get the gold medals. It's kind uh, of let's like explain. Tour de Force. It's, you get, like, three minutes to answer as many questions as you yeah, can. Yeah, there's different... Three minutes seems like a so long time. So if you time. fancy a, a short quiz, you can take a short... Or if you fancy a really long one, you can take a long one. And you unlock the different quizzes along the way. It's coming on the PS3 in November, but in a bigger, much more, many more questions, and it comes with wireless buzzers with the. Excellent. So I think I will actually invest in that one when it comes we'll play out it. because it's fun. Like, it, and it's. I'll whoop you. You know what? It's a good one. When we've watched a movie in the home theater on a Sunday, yeah. we could just do a round of that afterwards. You know, to like all sing before. song, all before, or yeah. sing star. We also have sing song. Sing song. <laughs> um, Geometry Wars Two. You haven't played it yet, but you've seen me play it. I've seen you play it. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's If you love Geometry Wars, it's like evolution of Geometry Wars. There's so much more to do. There's like six modes now instead of just one. There's multiplayer, but not online, but with four people in the same room. So it's, it's a got, good evolution. It's really good. Excellent. And, um, the achievements are not too hard, but not too easy Wrap as well. Wrap it up, we're running out of time. Um, <laughs> it's good. Uh no, uh, Geometry Wars 2 deserves a little. Oh, okay. Um, and then, yeah, it's 800 Microsoft points, by the way. I don't know what that means. $10? Uh, yeah, around about $9 and something. But I'd say it's worth it because Geometry Wars was the original Xbox Live Arcade game. It was the first one I ever got. Do you, you remember, mm-hmm. I played it all the time. This one I've been playing all week. Just It's a nice game where you can just pick it up try and get a high score and then go on to something else it's one of those I've always done it and it keeps your friends leaderboards so when you choose the game it shows you all your friends list and what their scores are too so you can try and get to the top of that list all the time so that's fun yeah Um, then I also wanted to mention Cool Duda on YouTube now this guy's called Cool Duda C-O-O-L-D-U-D-E-R he is a one well I wouldn't say want to be he's a He's a filmmaker. I mean, him and his friend, they're not filmmakers, but they aspire to be filmmakers. They have made some films, so I won't say they're not filmmakers. It's short films. Everybody has to start somewhere. Now, Cool Dude and his friend, they, they're they very popular on YouTube. Like, tens and tens of thousands of hits. And and he does a... I'm not so interested in his movie review show, because they do it in stupid... They, they put on funny voices. It's kind of odd for me. I can't deal like with Like we it. do on this show. Yeah, like I put on this British accent, and you do that American one. <laughs> Similar to that, but like... <laughs> like that. So I don't really watch that part. It's called the Don and Murph show. We don't really put on fake accents. No, they do the Don and Murph show, where they both play characters. I don't so much into that, but Cool Duda, the guy who plays one of them, does a bi-weekly DVD update where he buys a lot of DVDs um, and he just comes on camera and talks about each one. Now, that might sound boring, but he's kind of like... He's very interested in movies. I think it's lovely. No, I mean, it might sound boring to some people. It's it's like what we're doing here, but he is very interested in movies, no matter what they are. In fact, 
he buys anything. Like, he'll go, oh, I went in uh, Goodwill, and they had some Mormon movies for a dollar each, and I got them, and they were quite good, you know, mm. and he will go through, and he goes from, like, the latest movies to, like, stuff that he got for a dollar. It's just interesting. And he's charming, and when he's talking, you seriously, it's as if your friend is on a webcam, and he's just sitting there telling you about movies. There's no and flash I, or any, it's all substance, I like what he says, I've only watched peripheral he's not, you watch. He's not hateful or rude. He's very respectful to movie people. He he'll say like, "I don't know why people don't like this movie. Yeah, I think it's kind of you go, yeah, and, and he <laughs> likes stuff that is. It's kind of like me where I'll I will, you know, I don't have uh, I, I am you know we, we we critic movies right, and I we do we are critical, but then not always. I mean, I bought Weird Science this week. It's not the best movie ever, but I, I have a lot to, a lot of good to say about it. And he has a lot of good to say about things like Summer Catch 3, which is like, whoever even watched that movie? But he's like, yeah, I love it, because this person's in it. And, you know, so I really like the enthusiasm of him. See, he kind of inspired me to try to buy those two movies in the grocery store today. Two for five dollars. And you're like, no, 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 those are probably but, crap. Those are, And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know. So well, I let, didn't. let me send out a shout to Cool Dude. Uh, um, and mm-hmm. I just want to say, I, I, he has a lot of videos on YouTube. If you go back and watch all of his DVD updates, it took me two days to get through them all. But while I was working on my computer, I just had him playing all the time. It was really fun. So, yeah, I like his videos, and if you want to subscribe to him, I'm not getting anything out of it. I just yeah. think, I think it's a good recommendation. The other thing, computer nightmares. Oh, yeah. I had a computer nightmare this week. Uh, some Windows update on Vista. I use Vista. I Let me just say one thing. <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say about Vista. Everybody else in the world seems to, right? Do you have anything bad to say about Vista? No, I think it's fine. Use it every day. I'm pretty neutral, but I use it every day, and I like I use XP and this, so I'm fine with both of them. Uh, is is Vista a terrible experience, and you just you're just totally frustrated by it? Absolutely not. No, that's what everybody thinks. Seems to think. Okay, so we're not on the Vista hate train, and I don't see what the train is. To be honest, <laughs> we missed. This if train. you're on it, get off at the next stop. <laughs> um, Okay, but this week I might be on the Vista hate train a little bit, but it's... Okay, I've not reformatted for nine months. I checked when I... That's a long time for me. Um, I didn't really want to reformat, but a Windows update screwed up my Vista. Anyway, during this time I'd got a copy of Vista 64, the 64-bit version of Vista, so while I was reformatting I thought I would put the 64-bit version on. Might as well, eh? I've got a free free copy from Microsoft. Because I... Well, it was a contest anyway. Yeah. Um, so I decided to throw it on there, and something went wrong. And <laughs> Outlook started opening to, randomly. To put, to put it, it's nothing to do with Microsoft. It's a mess up I made. Something that just went wrong. But anyway, to I spent two nights reformatting twice. I'm totally reformatted. You can see it now. 64-bit version of Vista. It's recording this podcast as we speak. It's fine. It works just like the 32-bit version. I actually need some more memory. That's not a bad thing. I, I got another two gigabytes for $33, which I don't... And your Skype port phone works fine, even though people say it in their phone A lot of people work. say, oh, things don't work in 64-bit Vista. We've got two uncommon printers on a weird wireless network. They work. Oh, beautiful. We've I didn't got, know you got that far. Yeah, it works fine. We've got a Skype phone that apparently only works on Windows XP. It works fine. And for you. No one else, just you. No. <laughs> but that's because you research things and you try to figure things out and you seek out answers and you try things. Some people, I think, as soon as it doesn't work, they're like, screw Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I don't, I love my, I use Microsoft products. <laughs> I have used Microsoft, 
since I I know we do podcasts, but a lot of our life is spent on the computer, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we are really heavy computer multiple, users. Multiple computers. I have, you know, this computer, that computer, computer in I there. I have two of my own. We watch TV on a computer. We, we have a spare bedroom computer. Yeah, we've got computers <laughs> out the wazoo, right? And we spend a lot of our day using them. I've used Microsoft products for 10, 12, 13 years. I don't know, since I've started using computers. I don't have bad things to say about them. I think they work fine. And I think Vista is the most stable version of all. Because when when have you seen a blue screen on Vista? Everybody says, oh, it blue screens. I think does, no- it'll depend on what you do. Because you do hefty stuff. You do video um, rendering. You do editing. You do this. You do games. You play. All kinds of things. All kinds of internet have you ever stuff. Seen you a try blue- all kinds of installing things and uninstalling all I install all demos the time. all the time. Have you ever seen a blue screen on Vista? Because I have not. No. Well, that's one of the, oh, it blue screens. Go back to XP. No, it's fine. Vista works fine. What I can say to you, if you're a Vista, get a, get a better PC. <laughs> yeah, that could be. It's yeah. all about using... If you're using a shitty PC from five years ago, of course it won't work properly. It's made for the latest You're going to pay for the Vista, pay for the better PC. Okay, so th- listen to this. That's the sound of me stepping off my soapbox. <laughs> okay, moving on to... Sid Talk has got one, a couple of little things there she wants to mention before... I kind of forgot. Okay, I'm still working on my IMDB. That's the Internet Movie Database movie list. You don't have to rush, by the way. I can hear you speaking. Oh, yeah, I'm talking really fast because no. you're looking at you the You don't time. have to, no. Okay, well, it's IMDB. You can put make a list of all the movies you've ever seen. At least that's my use of it. I don't know what other people use it for. So I've been working on that. And I'm telling you now, if you've watched movies forever, it's endless. You drag up stuff from the depth of the muckiness of the back of your mind that you forget that you have ever seen. And every time I do that, that whole movie... If it's something that I was, like, really watching, paying attention to... Because some movies, they're kind of foggy. Like, uh, not a hundred... I think I've seen it, whatever. Most of them, though, the whole movie floods right through my mind. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can add Dark City to that list. I can add Dark City to the list, yes. And uh, I recommend it. If you truly love movies and you don't have... If you have never made a list and you don't... It's not like I'm keeping track. It's just that I'm re-experiencing those movies. Things that I've forgotten that I've seen. Going down, like, I'll pick a person. Just random person, like Harvey Keitel. So I look him up, go down his long list, and I don't even realize that I've seen movies, you know. And then I would start thinking of um, other ones, you know, foreign language movies that I don't remember off the top of my head. I'll look him up, I'm like, oh yeah, un... You asked me me about one last night, and I Yeah. (laughs) All you said was... Do you, do you know a movie from the 70s? I think it's French. There's a woman in the jungle who's got a white flowing thing on. And I'm like, go to some tribe. And I'm like, hold on. It took him like 10 minutes and I said, like, I, I got have, it. I said, I have no idea. And then I was just sat there and I was like, jungle flowing? I know what that tribe. is. I know what that is. So I had to look around, I was looking around, I was looking around. And what was it? Lavalie. Lavalie. Like the valley. And when I found it. I was like, and we do have no it. Way, I it. told you we have it. Yeah, we do have it. Yeah. And that was like so obscure. Yeah, but my, um, my and I even looked it up on. That's how I looked it up on. And that's another one. I was thinking. I know there's a movie. Pretty sure from the 80s around there where they bury people up to their neck and then they mow them off and then they turn them into sausage. And I'm like, that's all I could think of. And I thought there was a motel what was that involved. And it's got, I, that's what I looked hell up. Motel. The, motel Hell. Motel Hell. But when I looked it up on Google, that's what I put. People buried up to their necks. In sausage. Turned right, into sausage. sausage. <laughs> and I'm like, no way. Is that and movie, there are people who are like so Is that movie so like extremely gory? I think it's gory. I don't, I know I've watched it. Because I'm it. really intrigued. I want to see it. I say. Is it really bad? 
it's not a good movie. You know, the main kind of creepy guy character puts me in mind of the clown guy from House of a Thousand Corpses and uh, Devil's Rejects. It's that type of... It's not as good as those, said, but it's said, like... Said Haig or somebody like that. I don't know, but that's, is, that's what happens to me going through these movies, and I highly recommend it. I mean... I know, I could start doing this. It's I, an endless process, and yeah, I get, I get I obsessed. Yeah. Now, I have your list of DVDs that I can add. I have the list of all the reviews we've ever done, and some of them I've done. Other ones I just come across that I can... And I've seen a lot of you know, Charlie Chaplin and movies from the 20s and the 30s. That I have no idea what the names are, and I want to start digging those up too. So I highly recommend it. My other thing is that uh, I put some videos on my YouTube, which is just look up Sid Duck, C I D T A L, on the YouTube. The YouTube. On the YouTube. That um, if you're thinking of going to the Dominican Republic, Punta Cana, this is down, it's the island where Haiti and Dominican uh, Republic Well, you went on vacation. Yeah, I went three on vacation. And these are my bits and pieces of video that I took with my little, uh, what was it? Nikon? Yeah. Cameras? Nikon And I've C2. kind of set them to a little bit of music. A couple of them are purely for, to show people what it's like. Because when I was getting ready to go there, I wanted to look up reviews and videos and see what it looked like and see what it was like. So, if you're interested. I have one really good one of my friend Peggy going under the boat with the glass bottom and waving under the water. Is and she naked? Well, that's for people to find out. <laughs> <laughs> it is a topless beach. Because I've heard a lot about your friend being naked. <laughs> no, she's never naked. Oh. Not, okay. not in public. Well, that's not no fun. It's a topless beach. So, yeah, I have friends who went topless on the beach. Not me. Not I that I care. I like looking at boobies just like everybody else, but not down at my own boobies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so... that's it. Yeah, so moving on, I can um, cue the music, basically. Yeah. Um, let me do my thing. Here I go. Okay, so we've got websites, sidtalk.com, ascully.com. We have Facebook pages. You can find us on Facebook. We also have a podcast, if you've not noticed. Um, It's called After the Show. You're listening to episode 28 right now. 29, maybe? Yeah, 29. Let's say 29. It's 29. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You can also go to our websites, sidtalk.com, ascully.com. You can find this podcast on iTunes Music Store, Zoom Marketplace, RSS Feed. And this week I spent eight hours adding the podcast to the written review. So if oh, you yeah. so if you go to the written review on a Wednesday, well the, the podcast will be up on my page on a Sunday night as normal. But if you go back to the written reviews and the, we should mention, there are written reviews for every single movie, and it's not what we say. It's completely exactly. different. I write it. It's totally different. But if you go back to the written reviews for the last 29 weeks, you will find that the podcast relating to each review underneath the cover art of the rev- at the top. Only on the movies, you and I... Yeah, not on the movies that Squiddy reviewed, right. which are the We've Friday movies. Ones. Or anime. We now, don't do the anime. We ones. are working on trying to get Squiddy in as a third guest over <laughs> Skype on here one week. Um, which will be interesting and a good experiment. And we're going to do a gory movie because he's the wuss who does not like Yeah, he doesn't gore. like gory movies, so we'll pick something <laughs> We're not watching horrendous. some wussy romantic comedy. And then when we start quizzing him on it and, he, and, he's, and he's pretending like he's sorry, but he's he never this. did. He's doing this. He's got his hands over his eyes. Is it over yet? Is it over yet? But yeah, Squiddy, uh, we are working on it. He just needs to get himself a microphone and get his ass in gear, basically. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's head off. Wrap um, it up. I want to say uh, stay classy Richard O'Brien. Because uh, 
you look really classy in that strange outfit. Uh-huh. Bit nightmare before Christmas. And I'm gonna say, what was that noise? I don't know. It was on your computer. Is that the end of our time? <laughs> no, I think that's I'm not. gonna say, think for yourself, because whether you know it or not, someone else might be doing it for you. <laughs> <laughs>